God. Amen. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. Thanks, Jeff. I'd like to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 11. And um, I felt like the Lord has raised a word to my heart that um, he wants to bring a revelation of the Father heart uh, tonight. And, uh, and uh, as we look at the people that God uses to advance his kingdom, in the, in the book of um, uh, Hebrews, there's what's called the Hebrews Hall of Fame. And it names many of the great men and women of God that impress God. And he talks about, you know, Abraham and Moses and, and Gideon and David. And, and he mentions a man there and he says, and Jephthah. And I want us to have a look at a man that caught God's attention, that his name was recorded as one of the people that God was, God said, I, I'm really impressed with this person's stand, with how, how they live their life. And, and, uh, and I, I love to look at the people God uses to advance his kingdom because he doesn't choose um, you know, as man chooses. He doesn't necessarily just choose the smartest and the best. But I love the way that God is no respecter of persons. And for each one of us, the Bible says, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, plans for good. That he's choosing. He's got a plan and a destiny for each one of us. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, determined, it's determined by what we walk on in our heart, whether we connect with that destiny. It's not automatic. It's not a done deal. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the coordinates, the GPS of life. Amen? There, there is a God-positioning satellite that comes through this word that will position you and I to follow the destiny. But if we go and do our own thing and plot our own course, there's no guarantee that we'll ever connect with the higher calling that God has for your life and my life. How sad to die never having sung the song we were meant to sing, never having connected with the destiny we were meant to walk in. But God has made it possible. And I want to just look at this particular man. So if we turn to Judges chapter 10, and we see a time when Judges chapter 10, verses um, 17 and 18, that the people of God were under attack from Ammon, and they encamped against Gil in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together there in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders, they said to one another, who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be the head and the leader over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So there was a cry. We're looking for leaders. And how sad that at that time they couldn't, they couldn't find someone who would step up to the plate, you know, to step up and, and, and allow God to, to mold their life so they could be a leader. Yes, there is a price to pay if you're going to lead, if you're going to step up to that calling. There's a preparation and, um, it's, you know, it's a high and holy calling, but there, 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 is, there, is, there is some um, training that God takes you through. Now, it drops down to Judges chapter 11 and begins to speak about this man. And the first thing we hear said about him, it says in Judges chapter 1, now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. And Jephthah fled from, with, from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out with him, raiding with him. It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel again. And it says there that they... Um, that the elders of Gilead went to the land of Tob and they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander and we, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings life. 
thank you that your word is a living word, that it is a, a living expression, Lord, that you are called the word of God. And when we open up this word, we open up the very heart of God. So, Lord, I, I pray tonight that your word would be uh, impacting in our hearts, that you would speak to each one of us. You'd take, Lord, what, what you would want and impart it to people's hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here we see that this, um, this young man, he was a mighty man of valor. He was a, a, a mighty man of um, courage, courageous. That word valor means to be virtuous, courageous. He was powerful and strong. He was a, a great young man, but he had, a, he had a, a past. He had a history. The Bible says that he was a, he was a reject. His mother was a prostitute, and it would seem like Gilead had gone off and maybe he was accustomed to going with prostitutes. It doesn't say, but apparently he got one of them pregnant. And so she has come and she has taken that little boy and dumped him uh, on the doorstep of Gilead and his wife and their children. And basically, you raise him, this is your kid. And so here this little boy has been raised in a home that probably didn't know why he was hated from when he was little that the brothers hated him because he, is, he shouldn't be there. And he also represents someone who makes his mother very sad, that every time she looks at this little boy, she's reminded of how uh, her husband has, has uh, you know, been unfaithful and for whatever reason, um, she's not enough. And, and so she's gone through her own trial. And, and so here he is, and, he's, and uh, you know, his, name, his name means a couple of things. One of them is whom God sets free. Whom God sets free. Hallelujah. Another, um, another part of his name means the breaker through, means the opposer, the opposer. But it also means the one who breaks through, the one who breaks through, the one who breaks, um, who breaks out and breaks open and breaks free. And so he had a great destiny upon his life, but he had a big but, but. He was the son of a harlot. And I believe God wants to address the butts in our life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He wants to turn your butt into a benefit. <laughs> Doesn't sound right in church, does it? Anyway, praise God. Moving right along. <laughs> sounded, sounded right when I was at home, but not so much in church. <laughs> God, sounds like a Weight Watchers meeting now. <laughs> God wants to turn your butt into a benefit. <laughs> What, what are the buts? Uh, you know, what are the things that, but what if, what if I hadn't have had that beginning in life? If, if I had, maybe if I'd been born to different parents, maybe if this hadn't have happened. And, uh, you know, in the last days, the Bible says that I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. There's going to be a great fathering revival. And I believe that one of the biggest manifestations is a release and a manifestation of the father heart of God. That the spirit of um, the orphan spirit that people have carried, not realised it. And maybe because they've grown up in a family where their parents, were, had, the father was a different style. Maybe austere, couldn't show his love. Maybe like in my situation, my dad was a heavy drinker. He, would, um, he, he, wouldn't, he didn't connect with his children. He would uh, control through anger and fear. And so um, even though he was... He was my dad. I never really had a relationship with him. And so, you know, for whatever reason, the enemy seeks to create an orphan spirit in our heart. And not only that, this young man, he carried a spirit of rejection. 
wasn't wanted by his mother. He wasn't wanted by his, um, you know, family that he, that he was dumped in. The Bible says that uh, they eventually threw him out and he probably was very argumentative. He was probably a troublemaker. He probably didn't realise why he had a chip on his shoulder. And um, Jeff won't mind me sharing this, but he grew up in a family where his mum um, and dad split up when he was, uh, when he was young. And, um, and uh, you know, I think um, he and his brother were something like, you know, seven and nine when the family broke up. Would that be five and seven? And, and so, but what happened was his dad um, ended up going out with the woman who lived down the road and had children. So her children would taunt Jeff and Pat at school saying, we've got your dad now. We've got your dad now. And so Jeff was always getting in fights and always uh, being reactive because now there's this experience in life that has taunted him. We've got your dad now. And I know that, you know, as he grew older and he, um, he became the man of the house, you know, from about 10 onward and his mother had a, he had a stepfather who was a very bad alcoholic. And he was throwing him out of the house when he was about 13, I think, 14. And so, um, so when Jeff left home, he went to live with his dad for a little while, but the dad's new wife and, and daughters um, hated him. And so he went, um, he left home at something like 15 or 16, lived at his mate's place, on their, slept on their lounge or whatever. But anyway, by the time he's uh, 18, he's a heavy, heavy drinker and riding a, you know, a, huge CC motorcycle and trying to kill himself at, at uh, you know, just living that lifestyle. And, and, um, and unless Jesus Christ intervenes in your life and my life, there is a predictable cycle that will kick in. No matter how much we want to beat the odds, if that is what is over your family line, that those things will begin to kick in. And just as the alcoholism and everything started to take a hold in Jeff's life, we thank God that when, uh, when he was in his... Um, early 20s, was it? Yeah, that he met Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He met Jesus Christ and everything turned around. But uh, God wants to redeem. He wants to redeem our lives and he wants to bring a revelation of the, of the father heart. And Jephthah was a young man that had a chip on his shoulder. He was, he was someone who was born with a cursed identity. He had a bad start in life. And how could this outcast, how could this reject ever lead a nation into victory and the bible says it's the glory of god to conceal a matter but it's the glory of kings to search it out and there is a great key there's a great revelation that god wants to bring into our hearts and it's not so much the physical handicaps and they can be challenging but it's the mental handicaps of life amen as a man or woman thinks in their heart so are they life's labels life's labels if anything gets on the inside whatever comes on the inside will talk to you all the time amen and, uh, and some of those, some of those uh, names reject. And, and uh, I remember um, reading about um, a tattoo um, artist that had all the tattoos you could get. And one of them was Born Loser. And uh, someone went into that tattoo parlour and said, who on earth would get Born Loser tattooed to their arm? And the tattooist, uh, Chinese man, said, oh, easy. He said, first tattoo here, then tattoo here. And so the, the tattoos, the names, the labels, the things, what defines you will control you. And as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. Amen? Yeah. The Bible says that this young man, and, uh, you know, like they say fatherlessness is the number one cause of criminal behavior. Fatherlessness is the number one cause of criminal behavior. 
And I believe God wants to bring a revelation because when you, ha- when you have that rejected spirit, it's hard to receive the love of the Father. It's hard to believe that the Father loves you. And I believe he wants to bring a deeper revelation of his love. And so it says there that, that here they, they throw him out. They said, you're not going to inherit. And the devil want, doesn't want you to inherit. He doesn't want you and I to inherit what Jesus Christ died to give us, that the Father has for us. And he went and he fled to the land of Tob, the land of Tob. And there the Bible says people who are men that were rejected gathered to him. A bit like David in the Bible where it says that he went to the cave of Adullam and there was those in distress, those in debt and those in discontent all gathered around David. They were gathering around someone that had the potential to lead them somewhere, that they saw something in him. And, and the Bible says that they began to go on raiding parties against the enemy. And he began to, he began to train them. He began to, um, as it were, began to um, rally them around. There's a revelation here I want to show you. And it's the land of Tob. And the word Tob means the goodness. It means goodness. It, Tob, Tobay, means to make good. But we see this same word in Exodus chapter 33. When, when Moses is saying, Lord, um, you know, we're going in to take the promised land. And he said, unless you go with us, unless your presence goes with us, because God had said, I'm going to send an angel and he'll take you in. And Moses said, no, God, unless your presence goes with us, we don't want to go any further. And then God says, okay, my presence will go with you. And then Moses goes on to say, because if your presence doesn't go with us, how will the other nations know that you are you're blessing us and you're with us? Now, God had already said, my presence will go with you. And we as parents, if we had that happen, and our kids said, I need to go to this shop, I need to buy this. And we say, yeah, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you about five o'clock. And if they came back and said, because if I don't go to that shop and get what I need, I don't, we'd say, hello, didn't you just hear what I said? I'm going to take you. God could have said, Moses, didn't you just hear what I said? I said, my presence is going to go with you. But you know, God just goes along with that because he loves relationship. He loves that connection with him as a father. He said, my presence will go with you. And then Moses, who's getting gamer by the minute, just having this incredible familiarity in a good sense with God. And he says, and then he says this, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord's just going along with it. And he said, I will, I will show you. And all my goodness, all my tobay will pass before you. Goodness and glory cannot be separated. The goodness of God is an amazing revelation. And the Bible says that Jephthah went and dwelt in the land of goodness. And unless we come out from under those old negative mindsets and get under a revelation of the goodness of God, that God is good, that he has good plans for my life, and not, not, excuse me, not to consult your emotions to, to see whether this be so, not to, not to consult your past experiences just because I don't feel it, God wants you to know that that revelation of his goodness will change everything and will reshape your soul. He went in as a reject with a chip on his shoulder with nothing working for him. But as we allow the revelation that God is good, that he's a good, good father, that he has good things, he's got a good future for me, that he's got good plans, that that he loves me with an everlasting love, that revelation needs to sink in. You see, he dwelt in the land of Tob. He didn't just, it's not going to happen with 20 minutes on a Sunday. There's got to be a place where we sit and meditate on the truth of this word. Because as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. 
And as we, what we meditate on, we will become what you behold, you become. If I'm beholding the revelation or the knowledge that God loves me, no, I may not be able to feel it right now, but God has good things ahead for me. And to take time to see life, think about that, and to meditate upon that. Because you see, a child's um, uh, self-image is formed within the first five years and maybe getting up towards almost to 10 years. But they say, train up a child in the way they will go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Because a child's brain up to the year five or six is in an alpha state. That's in a super absorbent state. That means that anything you tell them and what they live through and what they experience is written in their heart as gospel truth, even if it's not. This is the way you behave as a father, as a mother. This is what a home's all about. This is who I am, mirrored by what has happened round about me. And in that super absorbent state, that identity is shaped. Now, they, scientists say this, that the only time your brain returns to that ability to, to be just so super absorbent is 15 minutes before you fall asleep, and 15 minutes as you're waking up. And the only other time is in meditative, reflective prayer. Your brain begins to go into a super absorbent state. So this isn't something you do on the run. And it's praise God. It's great to listen to the word of God and podcasts when you're driving. Great to, 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 to fill up your heart with revelation of that. But there's got to come a time when you meditate and you start to think about he's a good, good father. And he loves me with an everlasting love. And he has great plans for my life. And to think about that and to think about it enough, you see, information, how does things get written on the table of our heart? In those first five to ten years, in information plus strong emotion. Information plus strong emotion. You could be absolutely have a total fearlessness of dogs and, and you know, love, a, love animals, love dogs, love going walking. But as you're walking along, if a big dog comes out and tries to bite you and chase you, that's, an, that's information with strong emotion. With strong emotion says walking is scary. Walking is unsafe. When I go walking, I need to take a stick. I probably need to walk in you know, on some circuit now, because that information is linked to strong emotion. And so how do we change that? Once it gets written on the table of our heart, the only thing that's going to replace that, never fight a negative thought, replace it, replace it. I remember when my son took up surfing and I started to get a fear. I would never, ever be afraid. I'd hear the car start up at five in the morning when he lived at home, knew he was going for a surf drive an hour up to the Sunshine Coast, and um, you know, that was fine until I started to see a couple of shark attacks on television, on the news. And it was like information plus an emotion that started to be linked to something personal. My son in the ocean, now I'm seeing sharks. So, <laughs> so I said to Lawrence, Lawrence, get in here. Come and look at this news report. Another shark attack. He said, Mum, that's, that's over in Western Australia. I said, I don't care. That shark could swim around <laughs> to, to Mooloola and get you. <laughs> so what happened was the knowledge that, that my son could get eaten by a shark began to get internalised. 
So when I heard his car start up, information plus strong emotion was fear. And I would, I would be immediately awake. I found you can pray and still have fear in your heart. We need to pray from a positive point of view. Lord, I need to replace this thought. I need to replace this fear. The fear that there's big chunks taken out of his board and whatever else gets linked to that horrible thought. Now, I don't mean you go and do stupid things. Lord, I just see him driving up there and the angels around about his car. I need to internalize a different picture. Lord, I see the angels around him, surfing angels, Lord, <laughs> around about him. I just see him driving back safely. I thank you, Lord, that you're keeping my son safe. And we have to go deep enough. Amen. And so I believe God wants to bring a revelation of his goodness and his father heart in a great way. Because the Bible says that he has super abundant grace. With grace upon grace, a super abundant, amazing grace. Right now, there is a, there's a, uh, a, a little boy, in, in a, you've been, I've been talking about it all weekend because my daughter who's waited for years to have a child and uh, went through a number of um, IVFs and put a name down for adoption. So this has been a almost a 10-year journey, got the call a few months ago, was in Taiwan three weeks ago to meet this little boy, it's just turned two, and um, he was 18 months when, we, when she got the call, and, um, and so they're going to be back there within three weeks to pick him up. So this little fella has been in an orphanage situation, foster care, and, uh, and, and, and so they got to meet him, and they got to be in, a, in an area where they played with him and, and took him to lunch, and and, um, and there he was playing with his blocks. They don't have much, they don't have, they just have, you know, um, no technology sort of things. Maddie took over a few toys and things and I had a little moving little mouse that you did this and it moved along. Anyway, um, he, he, he got such a fright. He ran to the corner of the room, got behind something, going, booyah, 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 which is don't, don't, don't. So we ditched the mouse because <laughs> he's only used to simple blocks and things. And after playing for a couple of hours, he went and put on his hat, put on his backpack, and he waited, waited by the door because that's all he's used to. When the foster mother dropped him off, he's calling her mama. When the social worker was there, you know, with Madeline and came meeting him, he called her mama. And the foster mother's saying about Madeline, go to mama, go to mama. So this little boy is quite confused. And he will settle, he has no idea that there is a whole clan of people, whole family, that we can't wait to meet him, that we want to lavish him with love and attention, that Maddie and Cain have waited years for this beautiful little boy. He has no idea as he's being put to bed at night that there is, there is so much love that, that is in the heart of Maddie and Cain and we already love him like there's no tomorrow. He doesn't know that yet because he's being adopted and the Bible says that the spirit of adoption, that the father, because of his great love, and because the Bible says he desired a family so much that you and I were created for his pleasure, that he would have a family. And even though we don't feel it, just like this little boy. Now, what they did when they got matched with, excuse me, matched with him back in January, they had to put together a talking book. And in that talking book, there was a picture of uh, Madeline, picture of Cain, picture of where he'd be sleeping, picture of his backyard, picture of the little play area. 
And in Mandarin, they, it was recorded in the book, this is Mama, this is Baba. I didn't get in the book. <laughs> I'm not impressed. Could have been this is Nai Nai. <laughs> I've been, I've been <laughs> practicing my Mandarin. But anyway, in the book, this is where, and this is, and Wahani, I love you. And all that is um, recorded and sent to him and it is played for him every night. And he looks at the book. He has no idea really what it's about. He's just getting a little glimpse. This is God's talking book where he says, I love you. I have great plans for you. And maybe we're there and we've had two hours and we think that you're that so wonderful, God. We've got our backpack on and well, I've just got to go out and face the world. No, 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 no. God's got so much more super abundantly. It actually means hyper grace. Super abundantly grace upon grace that God has for you and I. The Bible says that something happened, a shift in Jephthah's life that was so great. And I believe it's a picture that when you and I get out from under those old mindsets, struggling with life, not even going to the Father as much as, as, much as we can because, of, because we haven't got a, a, a deeper revelation of how much he loves us. This Yijan could ask me for anything and I'm going to give it to him. Better watch out. <laughs> Nothing is sacred when this boy hits town. <laughs> he has no idea of the, of the power of love and how much that he is loved. But he is going to because we're going to get in his face <laughs> so much. I said to my daughter, I'll be stalking. I know they've got a fiercely bond, but I'll be out there in my car watching. <laughs> I'll be scratching at the window. Ejen, Ejen, Ejen. This is Nai Nai. <laughs> and I just believe tonight, God wants you to know that that He wants to bring the spirit of adoption round about your life. You see, Jephthah, something shifted, and he actually came out and is an incredible military leader. He knew the history of the tribe of Manasseh. He dealt. Mil um, with the military uprising in an incredible way. He was a great strategist. He did make a very strong vow that uh, he, he said, Lord, if you give me victory in the battle, my daughter will never marry and I won't have children. And, uh, and yeah, it was a strong vow. And I believe he, he knew that there was a price involved in her coming into victory for that reason. But what I'm saying tonight, as I, as I prepared and I was waiting on God, I really felt this that he wanted to bring a revelation of his goodness. You see, the, the, the land of Tob is like the promised land that he's promised you and I, a land flowing with milk and honey and a lit to live forever with him in an incredible place of love. When I go back, I've got a friend. She, was, um, she is uh, secretary to my brother when, when he had a church in Redcliffe and, and uh, she's, she's had a, a, a terminally ill sickness that the, they're not treating anymore and we've prayed and prayed and prayed and we've believed God and I've seen many people healed but it seems like she is slipping badly and I got a call from her daughter today saying would you come and see mum because she's she's really she's terrified of going she's scared of what's coming next and even though she's a beautiful lady who knows Jesus I want to be able to sit with her and just encourage her that she's if she's slipping within the veil, and I'm believing God will heal her, I really am. But it's not the end of the world, it's the beginning. When we step into eternity, 
I've got a book about heaven I'm going to read some chapters about. But she's going to be just like little Ejan, has no idea that she's stepping into an incredible place, a land, the land of the beauty of the love of God. But today, God wants you to know he's got the promised land and the promised plans for you and I. Amen. Ejan, Jephthah went on and fulfilled an incredible destiny. And I believe there's a total revelation that it's as we get out, out from under the old mindsets, you see the labels on his life, whether he was rejected, that he was an orphan, that he wasn't wanted, he was going to have no inheritance. But as he came to a new place, he stepped out and led the nation into an incredible place of victory. Amazing shift and led the nation out into, into a great, great victory. And I believe tonight God wants to bring a revelation of his love. And to be like Moses, he wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you his goodness, hide you in the cleft of the rock and just come and let the goodness of God daily settle over you. To daily um, come before God and say, I can't imagine how much you love me, but I'm going to sit and try and think about that. It's like a thirsty person going to Niagara Falls to, get a, to, to fill up. The Bible says that he loves us and his grace is not according to our need, but according to his riches, according to the vastness of what he's got. And so this little boy, when he comes, we can't get in his face, actually, because it'll be too overwhelming. I remember the story of about a man who was helping with the lost children that were found on the garbage tip, as they are in lots of nations where they're very poor. They scavenge on the garbage tip and he went to work there and and he, he decided he was going to adopt one of the little boys and felt such benevolence towards him. And so he, he, he got permission and he took the little boy home to this beautiful place. And he, he had a wonderful, you know, warm bed and a beautiful room and, and as much food as he, as he needed and, and just uh, this overwhelming uh, goodness. But after a few days, the little boy ran away and went back to the dump. And the man realised that he couldn't handle so much goodness. So each day he'd visit, he'd bring a little gift. He'd bring some food. Next day he'd bring a bit more. He'd bring a bit more until one day the little boy followed him home and went to live in the man's house. And sometimes because it just seems so hard to comprehend because of what we've walked through and experienced, that God has so much for us. And we can access it according to our belief system. Amen. And tonight, God wants to break all those old mindsets and even the limitations in the glass ceiling. You know, like in the, in the circus, when, the, when they're training a, an elephant, when it's very little, they chain it up and they put a stake in the ground. And uh, this little elephant tries to get away and it tries to get away and it tries to get away. And it pulls and it pulls. And, and after a while, it realizes it cannot get any further than this six-foot circumference. And, and, it, and it starts to slow down. And then one day, it gives up. One day, something drops into its psyche, spirit, whatever, that I will never get free of this. And as it grows to be an amazing, huge, powerful beast, they take that chain away and they just put a rope and a stake that it could pull free easily. But it never does because inside it has is, it is believed the lie that I'm, I cannot go any further than this. I cannot go any further than this. And God wants to break the lies that I cannot 
I cannot go any further than this. The glass ceilings that I'm always going to be battling feelings of rejection and unworthiness, that the names that have the labels of the past, and I don't know what you were called, but, you know, uh, I, I was called dumb and clumsy and, and those old images of failure, those words that somehow got on the inside and became labels. God wants to break them off tonight, amen. And even as we've come to a measure of revelation of his goodness, he has so much more. He has so much more. Amen. And he wants to overshadow. I just saw this tremendous hovering of a mantle of the Father heart of God, just wanting to impact and, 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 and just encounter. And the way we do that is through that meditative reflective, taking the time. I have a good father. You see, the scarcest commodity in this society is time to think. And the enemy will keep you and I busy, that we'll just have a smattering, we'll just get a handout from God, we'll just have a taste, we'll just have a warm feeling. But unless we actually dwell, and John 15, dwell in that knowledge until it gets on the inside, until we know that I have a, I have a father who loves me, I have an inheritance, I have a future. Life is good, and, I, and it's independent of anything else that's happening. For as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. Amen. And so it's like Ejan will be able to just run up that hallway, open the fridge, ask Nana for anything, and it's going to be his. That's it. This kid's already got my heart. You see, that's how it is with God. And he says, come and ask, for hitherto you have not asked before. Ask that your joy may be full, because he wants to be a father in every, every expression of what a good father is. Can I have the musicians come? And um, I just believe God wants to pour out his weighty glory. I believe that faith works by love, and things that you've been believing for and pressing in for, you're going to find come easily out of a revelation of the love of God. Amen? This is the year of answered prayer. This is the year of the extreme grace makeover of the church, of our lives. Grace upon grace. It's, it's, it's been called super abundant and even labelled hyper grace because it's an expression of the super abundant, far above what you could ask, imagine or think. When do we take really enough time to go, Lord, far above? And ask ourselves this question, what will my life look like walking in the far above? Far above. For little Ejan with his little toys and his few blocks and his dummy in his mouth and the other one in his hand. <laughs> He's hanging on to every security that he knows right now. But he has no idea that he's walking into an amazing new life. The Bible says, when I bring you into the land flowing with milk and honey, houses you haven't had to build, wells you haven't had to dig, it's a land of goodness. It's a land, it's a promised land. And Jesus died on the cross to bring us into everything that He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We access it by meditating in His Word, by thinking about the goodness of God. Amen. Can we just stand right now?